with lots of time. What a throw! Robin one for the end zone. All right, welcome back to another episode of This Week in College Football, presented by CFB Talk Daily. Today is Monday, July 18th, when we're recording. Uh, Sonny, what's going on? Nothing, man. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm excited to get into this episode. Uh, a little late replacement episode for me, but I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely, man. Got a lot to talk about. Media days going on. Uh, Big 12 media days actually already happened, so we're, we're starting to really ramp things up. Talking season is coming to an end. Yeah, I can't wait when we actually get into some football. Uh, I saw the SEC commissioner today took a shot at the Big Ten, so that was interesting. Yeah, I guess Lane Kiffin did also. I haven't really seen too much of what happened today, but yeah, I guess uh, Lane went on another one of his rants. Well, I, I didn't see that, but I did see him uh, signing bananas, so that, that was pretty funny. I don't know, mustard bottles, mustard bottles. That's what it was. Cause they that, the that, mustard is, that is one of the most Lane Kiffin things I've ever heard. Yeah, imagine coming home to like your wife, your girlfriend, with just a mustard bottle signed by Lane Giffen. I would say that's one of a kind, but based off how many he said he signed today, I guess it's not. Yeah, right. All right, so which one of the topics that we have uh, do you want to get into first? Because we've got a few things to talk about. So I, I kind of like the, the fall quarterback battles. There's a lot of things going on um, that are really going to determine how the season goes. What's uh, What's the battle that you're looking forward to here? I'm definitely looking at uh, LSU. They have uh, Jaden Daniels, Miles Brennan, and uh, Garrett Nussmeyer. I think I'm saying his name right. Um, Correct. Yeah, but I think I, I hope to see Jaden Daniels win that battle. But it's going to be a good one because Daniels started 29 games at uh, Arizona State, and obviously he came in hoping to be a starter at LSU. And uh, of course, Brian Kelly's a new coach there yet, so all three of these quarterbacks are going to be new to him. Yeah, and, and anybody that's read my stuff on Saturday Blitz knows how high I was on Jaden Daniels last year. I had him as a Heisman finalist. I think he can be that good. Looking at him, he strikes me as like an ultimate Brian Kelly quarterback type. In the same vein as like a Malik Zaire, Brandon Wimbush, brings a lot of the same things to the table. I think he probably should win this one for fit, but I, I wouldn't count Brennan out. Uh, yeah, that's true, because Brennan, he started a, a few games last year, and then he hurt his, was it his collarbone? Yeah, but yeah, so I think Daniels, I think he's going to be the starter, but like I said, Brennan knows the offense, well, he knew the offense last year, but he probably has a little more chemistry with the guys already there. I just think Jaden Daniels brings more to the table. Yeah, I, I think that LSU has a much higher ceiling if it's going to be Daniels. Yeah, uh, what about you, what, what, what um, battle are you looking forward to? The one I have my eye on the most is probably one that people don't even think of as a quarterback battle, and that's Clemson. DJ Uyunglele against Cade uh, Klubnik, I believe. Is that how you say his name? Yeah, I think. You can I, say I, the other one, but you can't say Klubnik. <laughs> I, I know. it's it, That's a name that for some reason I always butcher. But um, it, it, Uyunglele was average last year. He was disappointing. It wasn't the hype prospect that we all believe we were going to see. Meanwhile... I mean, the other guy is a, a a top a top prospect, top quarterback prospect, five stars. If this is probably the number one battle, air quotes that like this could make or break a playoff appearance for Clemson. Sure, I'm gonna make a bold prediction here too that I think 
that Klubnik wins the battle. Wow. Okay. Because uh, I think that he is. I think DJU he'll probably get enough chances, but he was disappointing last year. You know that Clemson team, if they had a little bit better quarterback play, they might have been a playoff team last year. Yeah, and Uyunglele is going to be on a very short leash. Yeah, I mean he got pulled the. I think in two or three games last year, and oh, he he kept starting it because I had no real other option. I believe the backup from last year transferred to UConn because he wasn't that good either. But Klubnik is he's different. He's special. He's supposed to be special. You know, he went from Austin Westlake in Texas, a great high school for quarterbacks, and he's going to come in and he's probably going to come in to play right away. And what does it tell you about the state of Clemson football that he's going to be on such a short leash after coming off a down, disappointing season of 10 and three? Yeah, right. I mean, it's crazy, too, for Clemson to be 10 and three, where they're like, there's almost panic about the quarterback position and they only lost three football games. Yeah, I mean, they they weren't, you know, as bad as everybody made them out to be. I have the stats right in front of me. Uh, I mean, they they were inconsistent. They they weren't terrible, but it was no doubt the defense that bailed them out of a lot of situations. Yeah, definitely. The offense was disappointing, and they have a lot of good skill guys. You just have to get them the ball. Exactly. Uh, what other uh, quarterback positions are you, I mean battles are you looking at? The the other one for me is definitely going to be Texas with Hudson Card and Quinn Ewers. It it drives me nuts that people just assume that Ewers is going to be the starter. We we had this conversation off air the other day. I forget what it was, but someone ranked him as a top 50 quarterback in college football. If you're going to project and tell me that he's a top 50 quarterback, I'll buy that. Right now, as we sit, he's not even a top 131 quarterback because he hasn't thrown a single meaningful pass in college football. It's just the way it is. Like I said, if you want to project and tell me he's going to be top 50, Maybe top 25, I'll buy it. Right now, he's not. He hasn't done anything to show anything. Yeah, I think that Ewers, he's probably, like I said, he's probably going to be, but you're right. You know, he could be the biggest bust in the world for all we know because he hasn't done anything yet. Like, you know, you could look great on a practice field and look terrible on game day. Exactly. And how many quarterbacks have we seen that have done just that? Uh, Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen comes to mind. Josh Rosen was a scam. He was he was a scam. I don't think a lot of it was his fault, though. It was a four offensive coordinators in four years. There is, I guess, only so much you can do with that. No, that's true. And I think a lot of it, too, is how much the media likes where you're at. You know, some like like, for instance, Texas, the media has never come out and say Texas quarterback is terrible. You know, there's always going to be hype behind them, no matter who it is. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, just look at a guy like Shane Bouchelle, who went to SMU, had a pretty good career. He was pretty much ran out of Texas for not being up to par. Yeah, I actually liked him a lot at SMU, too. He did well with the rest of his career there. Yeah, he did. He was one of the people that kind of brought SMU, I don't want to say back to national prominence, but definitely got him back to respectability. Yeah, they, they were relevant again. You know, they were. I think they were ranked a few times while he was there, and he was a big part of it. Yeah, they, they definitely benefited from having him. And I'm trying to think there was another guy, too, somewhat after him that transferred out and was pretty good. And his name slips my mind. I can't remember right now. All right. Well, um, 
I'm trying, I'm trying to think if there's any other quarterback battles. Uh, you know, one, it's not a battle because he's going to win their starting job, but I'm really excited to see Adrian Martinez and uh, Deuce Vaughn at Kansas State. Yeah, Adrian Martinez, I think, is going to bring a whole different dynamic to Kansas State. Probably, I, I don't want to say the best quarterback that Kleiman's had there, but he could pro- probably be the most electric. Yeah, I think because he's, he's pretty good with his legs. I mean, he didn't really – every time he had a big play at Nebraska – most of the times it was what his legs he was running for his life, but with Deuce <laughs> Vaughn, that could be an interesting you know like wrinkle to the offense because they're both electric. Deuce Vaughn is one of those guys that could be a Heisman candidate in the same way that um, RG three was at Baylor. Not really on a top team necessarily, but such an electric do it all kind of guy that he might get a lot more recognition than maybe people think. Yeah, and I see it a lot too. Like I see a, like leading up to the season. I see his name like almost every day now, like following people. He's starting to get that little bit of buzz. Like, yeah, and he deserves it, especially in an offensive minded Big 12. He's definitely going to be a difference maker there. And I honestly think that he's a player that any Big 12 team, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Texas included, would love to have on their team. Yeah, for sure. He's, I mean, if you put on any other Big 12 team, he's probably their starting running back. So, uh, except maybe Texas, they have a John Robinson. Yeah, I would I would definitely start Robinson over Vaughn, but Vaughn also brings a different in the return game too. Sure. All right. Well, before before you're too much off topic, do you want to uh, go into our Heisman favorites? Yeah, I think we already mentioned one in Deuce Vaughn. I don't necessarily know that he's a favorite, but he's definitely a dark horse. Yeah. If you're going to talk Heisman favorites, regardless of who your actual pick is, you'd be crazy not to start with Bryce Young from Alabama. Okay, I, I was going to say I'd start with Stroud, but I guess they're probably like 1A, 1B. I mean, they're, although Alabama always just a little bit of love. So, And he was a Heisman winner last year. I mean, Stroud is definitely, I think, 1B to Young's 1A. Yeah, I don't know how that completely slipped my mind that Young won the Heisman last year, but that's a great point. <laughs> I, that, I, I'm sorry, that completely just blew through my mind. But yeah, he, he did win the Heisman last year. So a repeat would be awesome because that, that's rarely done. I think it's only been done once before. Only once by Archie Griffin of Ohio State. Yeah, I was gonna say Archie Griffin, yeah. So that'd be very awesome. If he, if he repeated, that'd be just one of the coolest things ever. And it's a legit possibility, too, playing on a team like Alabama, who could actually be better than they were last year. They put up better numbers. And oh, I think with the Heisman is you can't be like completely unknown coming into the season. You got to have like a little bit of buzz like and you, you got to. So he's definitely one of them because he won last year. So he has the big enough name already. Yeah, I think so. And and last year, for what it's worth, I think I would have voted for Kenny Pickett over Bryce Young, which I know might be crazy to a lot of people. But I mean. Look what Pickett did for Pittsburgh. You take Bryce Young off of Alabama, they're still Alabama. They're still going to be good. You take Pickett off of Pitt, and I think that changes the whole season for them. Oh, yeah. I love Kenny Pickett. Uh, I think last year, I, I might have gave him my vote. You, you probably could have swayed me into changing sides. if you, Because he was the most important player on that team, and he, Pitt had an unreal year. And everybody talks about the Heisman moment. You have to have the Heisman moment. The fake slide in the ACC championship game. Unbelievable. True. I, I mean, I don't know if that should have been allowed. I mean, it, it's in the rules. Like, But that was, that was an awesome moment. And it went viral, too. It was like, so that could be a Heisman moment. It wasn't a rule until after he did it. So he technically didn't break anything other than the defender's ankles. 
Oh, did they change the rule after that? Yep. Oh, uh, well, so there, there it is. There, Heisman moment. You were so good they had to change the rule. <laughs> that doesn't happen too often. No, not at all. Uh, I think my, my second, so I guess we'll which pick, pick two. So I said Stroud would be my one. You said uh, Bryce Young. I think my next one would be Bajan Robinson. If Texas has a big year, it's probably going to be on his back. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely have to agree with that. The problem with that is going to be, you know, do does Texas go all in on the quarterback, take things away from Robinson? How does that whole dynamic work? Plus, is Texas going to fall flat on their face again? Well, I, I hope they don't because I'm not a Texas fan, but I, I do have a soft spot for Texas. Uh, same way I have one for Ohio State, to be honest. So I hope they don't. But I, I agree. If they fall too in love with the Quinn Ewers, that they may start to not ignore Robinson, but not give him the attention he deserves, like the most the carries and focal point of the offense. I fear Texas is going to try to turn themselves into too much more of an air raid offense than they need to be. They have one of the best, if not the best, running back in college football. Just go with it. Don't try to do anything fancy. Yeah, they had. Uh, I think they had the number one offensive line class uh, last year. So they're going to have a big offensive line, a great running back. You, know, you could probably get away with just running the ball. Leave I totally agree. Uh, it's so many college teams get away from that, too. It's like, look at Wisconsin. Every, every year, they have a good offensive line, good running back, and they're consistent. And speaking of Wisconsin, Braylon Allen, there's a name to remember. Alabama, uh, Wisconsin running back. True. Fast, physical. He's a, I don't even know if I'd call him a dark horse. I think he could very well end up in New York at the end of the season. Yeah, I like Braylon Allen. I think, so on my running back quest, I think I had him in the top five, which a lot of people were like, what? I think he's very good. Yeah, and I think he could be very much the same as like a, a Jonathan Taylor or Monte Ball kind of player. Absolutely. And Wisconsin, they always, one thing about going to Wisconsin as a running back is you're going to get carries. You know, there's no, it's not going to be like how we just talk about with Texas where they're going to fall in love with the air raid. The air raid is such a foreign concept to Wisconsin. Exactly. And in fact, Wisconsin is one of those teams that has struggled with quarterback play. I mean, obviously Russell Wilson is the exception to that, but they haven't had like a really top tier quarterback in quite some time. So they've they've kind of had to lean more on the running. Yeah, I to be honest, I really wish Caleb Williams would have went there because uh, I know he was close. There was second option. Uh, I know Russell Wilson even called him to try and convince him to go to uh, Wisconsin. I really wish it would have happened. I don't think that was ever close. I think that was just kind of a show he put on to make it look like, hey, it's not just everything USC is offering me. So you think it was also smokescreen to get him? The eyes off of UFC for a little bit. Yeah, because it, it seemed like there was a lot of backlash coming about what USC was offering and what they promised him. And it was right around the time that started that's like, oh, maybe he's going to end up at Wisconsin. Maybe he'll end up here. I think that was all just kind of like a, a distraction. Don't look there, look here. And then, well, actually, my heart's with my old coach. Well, that, that's true. I guess that, that could be that is a very real possibility that happens, to be honest. Uh did you see with Jordan Addison how he's apparently not happy with some of the promises from his NOI deal at USC that they haven't given to him? Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I don't think Addison should have went to USC. I'm not entirely sure he should have stayed at Pitt either, but I just I don't think USC was a, a good fit for him. Yeah, I don't know. What, I see, see I'm not going to like criticize someone's choice 
because whatever, do what's best for you. But USC, like, eh, I, I feel the same way you do. Like, I don't know if it's the best choice or if Pitt was the best choice, but I just don't like him going to USC. Yeah, and he's another one. He said it was a gut move. That was a quote, and I I don't know necessarily know that I buy that. I I think if he would probably Alabama would have been the best choice for him, and I know that's kind of a cop out to say go to the top team in the country. But if you really want to raise your stock, you're already a Bolitnikoff winner. Go yeah. to Bama, win the championship. You're easily going to be in the top 10 next year. Yeah, and he even worked out with Bryce Young uh, in Atlanta right before he uh, chose to go to USC. So like, he was considering Alabama, I think. And, but, and too, I think if he had it to do all over again, in retrospect, knowing what he knows now, Texas would have been a much bigger threat, too. Oh, yeah. You know, I'll tell you what, though. If you offered me uh, $3 million and a house in, a, like, Los Angeles, I'd probably have a, a gut feeling as well. But if you offer leave. me if you offer me $3 million, I'm going to Division Two. I don't care what the college is. Oh, I, I meant, like, right now, not even, like, football. If you offer me $3 million, I'll up and move wherever you want me to. I, that's my gut feeling. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you want to get into what some surprise teams we have for the year? Before we do that, I want to mention one thing about uh, your Heisman favorite, C.J. Stroud. I think the mm-hmm. one thing that's going to work against him is another top Heisman candidate is the guy he's going to be throwing the ball to in Jackson Smith and Jigba. He could very well split the votes. True. Especially because if Stroud has a big year, that means Njigba also probably had a big year. Exactly. Barring injury, it's going to be Njigba as the top guy, possibly a 100-catch guy, Bolitnikov favorite. It it's going to be very difficult to choose one from the other. Yeah, and last year their offense is explosive under Shroud. You know, it's their offense is always really good, but and Jigba is just he's so good. Oh no doubt, and I think he's going to be even better this year. Yeah, and if that happens, that's actually a really good point about them splitting the votes because if Shroud has a big year and Jigba has a big year, then you know Ohio State fans, you're going to get some who are. You know, more of a fan of Njigba, and they're going to vote for him as the Heisman. Yep, no doubt. And then, you know, that maybe sways the voters a little bit. I, I didn't mean uh, vote for the Heisman there. I meant they're going to talk about him being the Heisman favorite, and then maybe the voters see that, and then they get convinced, like, hey, maybe Njigba was the bigger part here. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's going to be tough for Ohio State. And in all this, we're not even mentioning the running back, Travion Henderson, another Heisman candidate. Sure, yeah. Henderson's also he's unreal for a freshman. He, I think he averaged over seven yards a carry last year. So their offense has so many pieces to where maybe you're right, Bryce Young probably the favorite because Stroud, there's just so many pieces that you could say, well, they made the Ohio State offense what it is, not him. Yeah, and it's gonna be really tough when there's three truly elite players on that team. How do you choose which one of them? All right, this is this is the guy. That's gonna be very tough. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. That's a good point. All right, yeah, get, wanna, get, oh, I'm sorry, sorry. No, that's my fault. <laughs> um, so do you want to get into some surprise teams that we have for the year? So, yeah, I'd, I'd love to do that. And before we do that, I want to mention this list that I saw uh, on Instagram, Elite College Football. This is from ESPN. Um, Elite College Football is the one who posted it. And this is ESPN's FPI, which is absolute garbage in my opinion. Um, Even people at ESPN will tell you that. Um, But this is the percentage chances that these teams have to make the playoffs. Uh, 
right, Ohio okay. State, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, one, two, three, four. Obviously. Notre right. Dame is number five at 18%, which I can buy. Texas is 18%. I'm not sure I get that one. Moving down the list, you also have Michigan, Oklahoma, Miami, Utah, who could very well win the Pac-12, Oklahoma State, LSU, Michigan State, Auburn, Penn State, Texas A&M, Pitt, North Carolina, and Oregon. Where is USC on this list? Well, that's, that's a good point. I think they have a better chance at Texas because, let's be honest, the Pac-12, Pac-12 champion undefeated is probably the easiest path to being getting in the college football playoff, which no one ever seems to do it. No doubt, but if you're placing a bet right now on who's likely to make the college football playoff, who are you putting your money on, USC or Pitt? USC or North Carolina? Oh, exactly. I, I agree. I think that's what I'm saying. USC should definitely be higher than a lot of those teams. And if we're going to be talking about underrated teams, a team that I would not have even thought to mention because I wouldn't have thought they were underrated. I think they're properly rated, but apparently not after reading this list. North Carolina State. North Carolina State could very well win the ACC this year. Where are they on here? Yeah, or, or Louisville. I, I think Louisville has a better chance of making it than UNC. Yeah, and if you listen to the last show, you know my thoughts on North Carolina being overhyped again. North Carolina State it seems to be the complete opposite. Dave Doran is building up a quiet beast there. They get Clemson on the road, but if they win that, who's just, why can't they go undefeated? Yeah, and the thing that I like about NC State, too, uh, Devin Leary, their quarterback, he's so good. I think he had uh, the best QB interception ratio uh, last year in the a- ACC. Yeah, he's actually the only QB in ACC history to hit 35 touchdowns and five interceptions in a season. Yeah, and if you want to talk about underrated, you have to mention Leary's name. Not only underrated, but disrespected. It is criminal how underrated this guy is. Nobody talks about him, and I don't understand why. Yeah, I, I saw uh, NC State actually launched like a little Heisman marketing campaign for him. They have like DevinLeary.com and stuff. Like It's all stats that he has. But yeah, he's criminally underrated. A guy like that shouldn't need a website. You should just be able to watch a game and say, all right, this guy is legit. Absolutely. Uh, so for me, I'm going to go to uh, this team. Well, they were underrated, but now people are starting to give them a little bit of respect. I'm going to say Louisville. Uh, I don't. Do they qualify as underrated? Do you think, or should I pick another team? Uh, I think they do. I'm not right, super yeah. high on them. All right. Well, I I just like I like my big thing for teams of surprise seasons is you have to return a quarterback. All right. I I think that's a big deal, especially when you're a team maybe not the best talent, uh, an experienced starter who's not going to get rattled easily. I think adds a little bit to your team, especially when it's Malik Cunningham because he's. Unbelievable. I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in college ball at this time. And I think Louisville added a lot of talent around him. Uh, they did lose that receiver transfer to Alabama. I can't think of his name right now, but he was their big play threat. But I still think the offense is going to take a big leap under Cunningham this year. Yeah, there's no doubt Cunningham is definitely one of the better quarterbacks in the country. I'm just not sold on Louisville yet, and I'm not 100% certain as to why that is. The non-conference schedule sets up really nice. They got UCF, USF, uh, James Madison. Those are three very winnable games for a program of Louisville's caliber. Kentucky at the end of the year, that might be another story. Kentucky could be a a surprise 10-win team. But 
I mean, at Florida State, at Wake Forest, at NC State, those are all very tough games. Yeah, well, I don't mean uh, surprise playoff contender or anything, but like, I think they could just be, you know, maybe a 9-10 win team with what they have. I know they have uh, Caleb Chandler on defense. He's a preseason All-American. He's definitely someone to watch out for as well. Oh, no doubt. And uh, Yasir Abdullah, too, at linebacker. He's a stud that could be uh, a huge impact player. Yeah, so actually, I think they're underrated, but they're not going to... I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs or anything like that, but could they be in that championship game? Maybe. I don't think Florida State's all that great. The game at Wake Forest is definitely going to be tough, though. And so for for me, a team... I don't want to say similar to Louisville, but they're not going to make the playoff. Probably won't even make the conference championship game. But a team that's going to be really underrated for me is Texas Tech. I'm not like I said, I'm not sure they could make it to the championship game. They're certainly capable of keeping a quality team out. I'm seeing a lot of people pick them as a below 500 team picking, you know, second to last in front of Kansas in the conference. This could be a really exciting offense. It's going to score some points. And if you could find an offense on an off week quarterback, that's going to make a few, you know, awkward throws and everything. They could shock a lot of people be competitive week in, week out. Yeah, I actually saw a list uh, last week, I think, and they had Texas Tech with one conference win. And I thought that was ridiculous because they have a lot of games that they're going to be tough, but they have a lot of winnable games on their schedule. And so if you look at Texas Tech's schedule, Murray State, Houston, NC State, Texas, at Kansas State, at Oklahoma State, Baylor, West Virginia, at TCU, Kansas, at Iowa State, Oklahoma. I don't see a lot of those games that you can look at and say that is definitely a win. I also don't look at that schedule and see a lot of games that you could say that is definitely a loss. And that, to me, qualifies them as a potential shocker this season. Yeah, I agree. like you said, some of those games... Like at Kansas State, Kansas State's going to be good, but are they that much better than Texas Tech? Uh, probably not. And, you know, we're looking ahead. Who knows if Deuce Vaughn's maybe hurt or something like that, then that Kansas State game becomes a lot more winnable. Yeah, and Kansas State's October 1st. That's a whole month of the season, and we all know a lot can happen in a month in college football. Yeah, and plus players emerge in college football like you've never seen. Like, you know, there's guys... I start the season, you know, buried on the depth chart. And by the end of the year, they're, they're full-time starters. Yeah, and if there's one thing that worries me about Texas Tech, it's it's the quarterback position, which I know is weird, considering I just said air raid offense can score a lot of points, might surprise a lot of people. Tyler Shuck, the quarterback, if you watch him, it drives me absolutely crazy. He does not go through progressions. I watched the film from the Stephen F. Austin game last year, and he would just stare down his receivers wouldn't even look the opposite way and would throw it in a double, sometimes triple coverage. If he can learn how to go through progressions properly, you're going to see a whole different side of him that is going to definitely take this team to the next level. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I was going to say, for one of my teams that is underrated, I think Baylor, another team, I mean, they're probably not the most underrated, but I think they could win the Big 12. No, Baylor's definitely a, a contender in that category, too. I mean... The Big 12 champions last year, not necessarily a surprise team in that in that, you know, way. But if you want to talk about potential playoff busters, why can't it be Baylor? Yeah, well, I just love that, you know, in the uh, Big 12, it's all offense, right? And then there's Baylor, who's like, 
we're perfectly content being a defensive, like, kind of grinded-out kind of team. And everyone else in the conference is the exact opposite team. Yep, and you're going to look at Baylor at the end of the year and say, you know what, it was a non-conference schedule. It's not really impressive. And I'll give you Albany and Texas State, our world beaters. But if they're going to go undefeated and make the playoff, that means they go on the road to BYU and win that game. That's tough. It is tough, but I don't think it's that much harder than you – no, know, BYU is good, but they're not that much harder than going into, like, Oklahoma. And they play Oklahoma close a lot of the time. So I think they can do it. Yeah, and Oklahoma's on the road also, and they are the week after a road trip to Texas Tech. True. Yeah, so that could be a winnable game for them because, you know, who knows, maybe maybe Texas Tech gives them – your surprise team gives them a little bit of a game, and they'll have a little bit of a hangover, and then Bauer beats them. Yeah, that could definitely be a, a plausible scenario right there. I'm not even sure Oklahoma makes the Big 12 championship game, if we're being honest. You don't think so? No. Why do you say that? I think they lost too much. New coach, it's going to be too much of an adjustment. Like you said, Baylor's defense really good. Oklahoma State has the most experienced quarterback, and depending on the week, the best quarterback in the conference. Um, I think it'll be Baylor and Oklahoma State. Yeah, uh, that's an interesting uh, Big 12 championship game. I think that'd be a good one because Gundy is, you know, like I said, typical Big 12 guy, just loves scoring points. And then their defense is usually pretty solid at Oklahoma State. They've got a good team. Yep, and it'll be a rematch of last year too. Yeah. Um, all right, so moving into our next topic here, we have Bo Nix versus uh, – If oh, my God. Assuming Bo Nix starts, what happens to Ty Thompson? I think Thompson stays, and if I was him, I wouldn't move anywhere. Bo Nix is either a top-10 quarterback in the country or an absolute train wreck. It seems like there's no in-between. He has all the potential in the world. He could be easily one of the better quarterbacks Oregon's had in a long time. Can he stay consistent? And more importantly, can he, on a weekly basis, throw more team, more uh, passes to the correct team than the opposite team? Yeah, I think if Knicks wins, I think Thompson probably toughs it out the year. I wouldn't be shocked to see him transfer just because of the climate and you know how the world is now, well, the college football world anyway. But yeah, yeah. I, I think he wins the job. But if Bo Knicks wins, I think Thompson will probably stay because you know I think if he was going to transfer once they bought Bo Nixon, he probably would have did it already. You know, new head coach, new quarterback, it gives you a reason to transfer if you want to. The thing with Bo Nix is with him being so wildly inconsistent week to week, Thompson never is going to see his chance coming. It could be week one. It could be week six. It might not happen at all. Nix might surprise us and finally hit that ceiling that we all think he has. I just don't think it's worth it for Thompson to leave just yet. No, but I think if Nix wins, he might leave because, you know, the writing might be on the wall. Dante Moore coming in the next year. Like it's only going to get harder to win a starting job at Oregon. There's never going to be an easy year. Yeah, but I mean, if you're going to go anywhere that means anything, you could say that at pretty much any school. No, that's also a good point. But I just think, you know, Dante Moore is going to be Dan Lanning's first guy. Uh, and I think if he loses it this year and doesn't doesn't play significant snaps, like say they split it all year, I think he probably toughs it out for next year and tries to beat Dante Moore in the uh, battle next year. But if he doesn't play and Bo Nix just has a year and Ty Thompson sits the bench all year, then I probably think he transfers. Yeah, there's no doubt. I think if, if Nix is clearly the guy all season, 
Thompson's going to see a, another young gun come in that is definitely more hyped than him. Um, you know, everybody wanted uh, his services from Michigan to Notre Dame. Um, Moore's a hot prospect, and it's going to come down to, you know, how much does Thompson want to compete? Yeah, I think he's a competitor. I'm, I don't want to, you know, say anything bad about him. I don't, I don't know him or anything. But like I, said, I just think that doing what's best for you, I, if, if it was me in that situation, I would probably transfer at the end of the year. Exactly. And please, I'm not saying that, you know, he, he's soft and doesn't want to compete. I'm just saying, like, how much does he, you know, want to bet on himself versus how much does he want to go somewhere else and try to, you know, make a name there and prove the Oregon coach is wrong more than anything else. It's not so much going to be a how much work does he want to put in. It's more of like, a, I'll show you, you made the wrong decision. Yeah, exactly. Just having a, the competitor in you. And obviously, you know, going from a five-star quarterback, it's probably really hard and tough to sit on the bench for like, you know, more than one or two years because you went your whole life being the man. Yeah, there's a good chance you didn't really miss many starts in high school. If you did, it was because of injury. You're not used to the bench. You're not used to sitting there watching everything happen. You want to be out there and you want to be competing right away. Yeah, and you've probably never been told in your life that there's a better quarterback on the team than you. It's probably never happened. Exactly, and I'd I'd imagine that's a a tough blow to take, even if deep down you know that's not true. You know, just because somebody has a better day than you doesn't mean long-term they're the answer, but we see that in college football a lot sometimes. Yeah, look at, uh, like, for instance, I'll just use an example, uh, Joe Burrow, that's what I was going to use. Sure, he was behind Haskins, and Haskins was really good, and then Burrow transfers, and look, you have one of the best seasons ever. And exactly. Burrow, it wasn't so much an I don't want to compete. It's more of I think he saw the writing on the wall that he wasn't going to be the guy. And that put such a chip on his shoulder. I think if you would have stayed at Ohio State and you would have got the reins, we wouldn't have the Joe Burrow that we had today. He was so angry. He just said, you know what? You're going to pay for this. Everybody's going to pay for it. And that's translated to the NFL, too. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like I don't think that I think there's a misconception with transfers. Some guys, they think they're transfer because they're afraid of competition. I think some guys just they know they can play and they just want a spot to prove it to everyone. Yeah, and the whole being afraid of competition and that that's such a lazy narrative that people go to. There's a lot more that goes into it that people don't realize. Yeah, absolutely. Because at the end of the day, it's their life. You know, you're only gonna be a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior in college one time. You know, this is your only chance. Yeah, I mean, you got four years, and for some people, this is a dream. This is what they look forward to almost more than the pros. Of course, they want that paycheck when they get to the pros, but how many of these guys you see that have, you know, lifelong NFL allegiances? You go to a college, that's your place for life. Yeah, absolutely. That's part of what makes college ball special is, you know, the alma majors, people, that's their school forever. Yeah, I mean, look at what Tim Tebow did to Florida when he announced he was coming back for his senior year. You wouldn't see them him doing that if he was going to retire as a Bronco and, you know, be all hyped up about it like he was there. Yeah, for sure. I, that's a great point. All right, so our last question we have here is uh, our last topic. If you're a recruit, do you go to an established contender or an up-and-comer? So, see, I think I, – oh, I'm sorry, man. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, so I know this is you guys wrote these topics. I'm just filling in. Are you saying as a top recruit or like a, a middle-of-the-pack kind of guy? So I kind of understood it as just you going to college. Where would you want to go? 
Okay, yeah, that that works for me. So, uh, I guess you want to get. Let's choose our top three right now. A Hayes Fawcett top three. Uh, so, for me, this is an extremely loaded question. I think there's a lot more that goes into it other than just where would you play. Because if it's where would you play, then basically you're just asking, hey, what are your three favorite schools? I think it depends a lot on that. Obviously, will play a part into it. You know, you have a lifelong dream to go somewhere. I also think it depends on, you know, where would you be on the depth chart? Who is the coach right now? How close is it to home if that's the sort of thing you're into? If I'm going to, you know, a place that I've always wanted to go, I probably end up picking Notre Dame. If I'm going to be, you know, a coach, it's going to be Minnesota. I absolutely love PJ Fleck. Love what he stands for. I don't think it's an act. Um, he is, is a top up and coming coach. Um, Boise State's another place I would go. Um, it could be a lot of opportunity there. Playing on the blue is, is definitely one of the most special things in the country. Um, so it's it's a very loaded question with a lot that goes into it. All right. I, I also agree with that. So I think what we should do is we each pick a position for each other and then we go off that. So you pick my position, I pick your position, and then we give three schools off of that. All right. So if you're a running back, where do you go? All right. So my, my top three is a running back. Alabama, of course, because they have a few Heisman winning running backs. It's also Alabama. Wisconsin, because I know I'm going to get the ball and show off my skills. And then the third one. This is a tough one because I, I only thought there was, those first two came to mind like rapid fast, you know, like yeah, absolutely. Third one, I, I think I'm going to Penn State. They had Barkley. I think they and they get a lot of highly ranked running backs on campus. I think their offense complements the running back well. They just haven't had the best luck in having guys pan out lately. But Barkley had a special year there. Okay, that's an interesting one, but I think there's a team that I would rather pick over Penn State. And again, this goes into coaching and everything. What about Illinois? Brett Bielema, who is one of the blueprints for what Wisconsin is today. Illinois is definitely an up-and-comer. They're far from established. But if you're a running back, why wouldn't you look there? You know he's going to build one of the biggest offensive lines in all of football. And you're going to have plenty of opportunity to succeed. Look at the running back he's look at the running backs he coached at Wisconsin. Yeah, and you know, now that you said that, it got me thinking. I, another Big Ten school, Iowa, same thing. They're always having a good offensive line, and that's one of the most important things as a running back. Yeah, Iowa is definitely another solid choice. All right, so for me, I'm going to say you're, you're a wide receiver. Well, if I'm a wide receiver, I'm gonna, the first place I'll look is probably Texas Tech. Air raid offense, there's going to be a lot of passes in the air. Hmm. Um. Probably Notre Dame again. Um, All right. History of big-time receivers, Blitnikoff, you're going to get a lot of attention playing on NBC every week. Um, yeah. hmm. Who would my third be? Maybe, again, right now, West Virginia. Graham Harrell is the offensive coordinator there, so if you want a lot of passes coming your way, why not why another not right offense? All right, I like it. So we had a bit, a bit different theories. I went off kind of like their track history of getting guys into the NFL at that position you went off, you know, fit, basically. I like that. Yeah, I mean, it, and fit is obviously a big part in playing in the NFL. If you're a receiver and you want to go to the NFL, you're not going to choose Army or Navy or, you know, maybe Georgia Southern. I don't know what that offense is going to look like going from uh, a triple option to an air raid. That's going to be a disaster for a lot of years. But you wouldn't choose a school like that. 
that is going to be a disaster for a lot of you because those guys are, don't know what the forward pass is, and then you're going to ask them to throw it 30 times a game, 50 times that, a game. That, and again, not to get too far off, off topic, that is one of the most mind-boggling coaching decisions I could think in a long time. Look at the the struggle that Georgia Tech is having still from going from just, you know, a, the triple option to a regular offense. You're going from one extreme to the other. You're going to have to build up recruiting classes. It's going to take forever. I think that was the ultimate, like, here we got a name guy we're trying. Oh, absolutely. I think, but also, I think it's a bad hire if you're expecting immediate results. If you're in it for the long term, like a program builder, then I could see Clay Helton kind of working out. But there's no good, there's going to be no immediate payoff. Yeah, but looking at it from Clay Helton's point of view, is he going to be there long enough for that to even matter? Or is he going to wait for, you know, a year or two for another position to come open? I don't think Georgia Southern's a long-term home for him. But then again, you could have said the same thing for Jim McElwain at Central Michigan. Yeah, he's been there for a while, and I'm sure he's probably been asked to interview for other jobs, and he seems to like it there. Yeah, so there's a lot that goes into that. Yeah, so, uh, all right, you, you want to do, since we only did offense and we have a little bit of time, do you want to do two uh, defensive positions as well? Yeah, I'm in for that. All right, so uh, I would say that you're, you're um, a defensive end. A defensive end. Uh, Miami would probably be one. Good history right. there. Um, hmm. Iowa. Iowa? Okay. Iowa's... Solid defensive team, always. They're highly consistent. And I, I don't want to cop out and go with Alabama, but, I mean, you kind of almost would be crazy to leave them off your list. Yeah, well, that, that's how I felt for my running back one. I, I felt like cheap saying them, but, you know, as a running back, you can't not look at them, especially for defensive end, too. You know, because uh, edge rusher, I guess, like Will Anderson this year, look at him. He's Everyone talks about him. Yeah, and if I can't say Alabama, if you guys are going to consider that cheating, then I'll go with Baylor. Like you mentioned earlier, a really good defensive school in an offensive-minded league. If you can be a good defensive player in that league, I think scouts are going to look at that and say, all right, you know what, you can adjust, you can adapt, you can be a, a star in the NFL potentially. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good one. Dave Aranda, too, he's going to get you ready for the NFL. Oh, no doubt. Aranda was one of the best defensive coordinators in the country before he was hired as a coach. Um, Wisconsin coming to mind uh, with Brett Lama. But yeah, Baylor's definitely a place you'd have to consider. Absolutely. All right, so what position am I? Let's go linebacker. All right, a linebacker. Okay. Um, second, I think. All right, I'm, I'm going to go also with Miami as my number one. Because I think that you know, Mario Cristobal, his defensive guys, he had Sewell at Oregon last year. And I think there's a lot of history there of linebackers making it to the NFL out of Miami. And that's a league where they it has a good mix of pass and offense and pass and rushing offense. So you're going to get prepared for both. Uh, my second choice would be Texas A&M. Uh, I think running under Jimbo Fisher in, in the SEC, that would be prepare you well for the NFL. And then my okay, that's third, not a place I would have thought of. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I'm not saying traditional here because there are some big traditional defensive schools I'm not going to say. But my third one, these are all just kind of personal fit and also where I think you could shine, Michigan State. Yeah. Under Mel Soccer. Yeah, I think they're the perfect kind of school, you know, because Michigan State's always been a gritty school. So running back, linebacker, I feel like that's a 
that's a big school for Michigan State. I mean, big position for Michigan State. And Mel Tucker, he's got that like that grit in him as a coach. I feel like a, a linebacker would fit well in his offense as a star. I mean, defense as a star. So if you're not going traditional linebacker schools, is that why you didn't mention Penn State, or is there a different reason well, for that? I mentioned them as my running back one, so I didn't want to go back to there. But of course, fair enough. Has to be in the discussion. I probably should swap them around for defense and offense, but <laughs> yeah, I still want to go back to it. So I, I excluded them before I even uh, started. Michigan State uh, linebacker for Penn State running back might actually be a pretty good swap. Yeah, right. Just flop, flop them around. Um. All right. So I think that's all we have for this episode. Is oh, actually there's one more thing I wanted to talk about, uh, real quick. I'm not sure if you've seen the sad news, but the Baylor Bear has passed away. The mascot? Yes. I have not seen this. That's terrible. What uh, What happened to the poor fella? Uh, I think he died of old age. His name was Joy. It's very sad. So I'm just looking this up now. Um, wow, what is this? Was only 21 years old. I don't know how long bears live, but 21 yeah, seems you relatively said only young. 21, and I was like, do they live that long? I don't even know. <laughs> I'm far from a bear expert, but I mean, geez, you, you never want to see anything like that happen. Yeah, right. Uh, now I'm going to be sad about that all night. Yeah, that's a sad way to end the episode. But all right, uh, we'll be back now in two weeks. It probably won't be me. It'll probably be you and Eric. You got a little busy with work today, which is no problem, but I uh, hope we can get back at it soon. Absolutely, man. We're we're looking forward to it. We're trying to bring the best stuff we can to you guys and having a blast doing it.